participation, sadly. So I think it's so powerful when you see two young women up there declaring their love and affection for God and sacrificing their time to lead us in the same. And Yeah, I just think that's a testimony, girls, and may you lead the way for many others to also follow in your footsteps. Thank you. All right. That was so good. I just feel like we could end the service there after what John said and that praise and worship. But I will share a little bit and hopefully God continues to speak to us. This morning is the next instalment. I've had a three-part uh, message that I've been sharing. It was going to be a one-part message, but I realised there was too much in it, so I've broken it up, hopefully, so we can digest it a bit more and unpack a bit more of what God is saying. It's really what God's put on my heart for this coming year, for this season, what he's calling us into as a church. And part one was about the kingdom of heaven and repentance. And I spoke about cleaning out our hearts and what we clean out, our basement or our house of all junk so that we can actually um, be an open vessel for the kingdom of heaven to advance through us strongly. You know, that's the vision, that's the heartbeat of this church, that the kingdom of heaven would advance through us and that we'd break down the walls between the church and the community and reach a broken world and so on. But it's all about the kingdom of heaven advancing. Because who knows, this world desperately needs an encounter with heaven, with the love of God. And that's why we're just praying then, declaring those powerful words out over our loved ones, out over our worlds. And also, in terms of repentance, who knows, it's no way to live, carrying around baggage and hurts and sin from years gone by. God's heart is for us to live freely and lightly. And I just love this verse. Um, I think... Forgot to write the reference down. I think it's Matthew. Matthew 11. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And just love that. It's God's intent that we would live freely and lightly. He's not saying to us, repent, repent, because it's just like it's a rule. It's because his heart is for us to flourish and live lightly and be able to actually enjoy life without the burden of baggage. Okay. And part two, like I guess following on from repentance, was about letting go of preference, maybe repenting of preference, where we put ourselves first and our own desires first and actually grabbing a hold of God's purpose for our life. And... Um, I spoke about yeah, different, what that might look like for each of us. Oh, and I talked about how the people of Israel lived according to their purpose and not their preference. When they were building God's temple in Ezra, even though they were afraid, and maybe their preference would have been not to build, they continued on because they knew it was the purpose of God for their lives. And I spoke about how the purpose of God makes you feel alive in a way that nothing this earth offers can ever compare to. And for some of you, I hope, well, I hope all of you know what that feels like to just be in that sweet spot in the grace zone that God has called you to. And I, we looked at what's at stake if we don't work, walk in the purpose of God. Because as I said, the mission and the vision is to see the kingdom of heaven advance. And how does it advance through us walking in the purpose of God for our lives? So if we're not walking in the purpose of God, the kingdom of heaven doesn't advance. Darkness prevails and that's a sad sad situation there's no hope there's no truth there's no light for a broken world so may we know what it is to actually walk in the purpose of God for our lives whatever that looks like and it's different for all of us it doesn't mean we have to serve in church on Sunday and serve communion or I don't know it's not in a box God's purpose is broad and wide and large and may you find it because it will be life to you and I love what Phil Pringle says 
What are you good at? Not what do you think you were good at or what would you like to be good at, but what actually works in your world. This is God's gift in you. Accept it, nourish it, develop it, maximise it and do it. And I think that says it beautifully. So part three, I want to continue to look at the people of Israel building the temple in Ezra. And (laughs) I feel like I've had a lot to share with you in the past few weeks, as I said. I've broken this message into a few parts so I can cover it. I'm not sure if it's God speaking or if it's because I've started drinking coffee and my mind has discovered levels of function that it's never known before. And I've just got so much thinking going on. Maybe it's a bit of both. I don't know. Let's hope it's God. I do think God is speaking to us. It's so good though. I just was getting a bit tired in life and I'm like, everyone drinks coffee and says how good it is. I'm like, I think I need to start this. Josh wasn't impressed. He doesn't like coffee or the smell of it. And I'm like, oh, I should have started this earlier. I just have so much energy and <laughs> so many ideas now. I'm still on wheat cappuccinos and my brain is going wild. So imagine if I had a strong one. Anyway, <laughs> so I do feel God speaking to us. He's calling us to grow in greater maturity. And um, we're not babies anymore. And who knows being a kid is fun to a degree, but it has its limits. Um, Relying on others to care for you and feed you and protecting you is a little restrictive. Adulthood comes with greater responsibility but also greater freedom. Sorry, just sorting out myself how I fit all this in. And as I said earlier, this is what I feel God's calling us into this year. 2018, a year of greater strength, maturity and freedom. And the vision to see the kingdom of heaven advance strongly in our world, to bring heaven to earth, we do that by growing in greater maturity. I think that's actually how God's going to move through us with greater strength as we grow. And all these messages that we've been bringing from the purpose of God to what I'm going to bring today and everything that's been spoken in church lately has been about positioning us for greater growth and strength. Um, And Dad's message last week actually on Lordship was so good, hey, and it was about this. It was about positioning us to actually grow up in our thinking and even to remind ourselves of some of the basics that we might have forgotten that are foundational for us to flourish. And I love the words of that song. I was going to grab it, but I forgot to. From Beneath the Waters that Rosie chose this morning, it says it so beautifully. My life arises, you are risen, declare your rule and reign. My life confess your lordship and glorify your name. And that just summed it up so beautifully. And, you know, it links in with letting go of preference and grabbing a hold of purpose too because preference is all about what we want. Lordship is all about what God wants and surrendering to that. So may we continue to grasp that in the coming months and the season ahead. And then we've also had Dean recently sharing on how to come through painful seasons well and to hang on to God and grow through those. And Tom spoke on honour and Mandy spoke on eternity. And, you know, they're all really foundational things that, um, as Dad said our what we understand what we believe actually shapes our experience and as we grab a hold of these things it's going to shape our experience and position us to flourish in a greater way so everyone with me everyone's so quiet this morning it's very peaceful in here isn't it which is nice so what do i feel god is wanting us to hear today i want to look at ezra 4 verse 1 to 5 as i said the people of israel and ezra are building god's temple and this is oh cool and this is where It comes to now in Ezra 4. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us help you build because like you, 
We seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Ashadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, You have no part with us in building a temple to our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel. Continue on. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, king of Persia. I think that's it. So basically, the people of Israel are building and their enemies come and say, let us help you. Which I think that sounds like a nice idea. How good is that? Some extra help. But they knew that it wasn't what God had asked them to do, that God had asked them to do it, and it actually would have been making a deal with the enemy to allow them to come and build. And so they stood on their conviction, the conviction of their faith, and they knew what was their responsibility and what wasn't others, and they said, no, this is what God has called us to do. And I want to speak a little bit more on that this morning. I want to take three things out of this. And um, the first one does relate, well, the first two are responsibility and conviction. And I think it's a good encouragement for us to take responsibility for our own work and know our responsibility in our lives to build our own lives. It's your job to pursue God. It's not your small group leader or your husbands or your pastors. You're responsible for your own walk and to build your own life. And the people of Israel knew, it's my responsibility to build this. So may we know our call, our responsibility, our conviction so we don't get confused. Because I think if the people of Israel had been a bit fuzzy on their conviction, they might have compromised at this point. But they were firm. No, this is my responsibility. And yes, it may be easier to compromise with the enemy, but I'm not going to take the easy path. So may we know our conviction and our responsibility. And I just want to break this up and look at it a bit further. Looking at conviction, firstly, who knows the culture of today is to compromise? Sadly, it's kind of just part of the fabric of society. Go with what feels good, with what's easy. Pursue popularity over conviction. Everyone else is drinking and partying. I'll do the same. If I go against the grain, my friends will give me crap. Everyone else is sleeping around. If I decide to keep myself for marriage, people might think I'm weird. Who does that these days? And you know, society is so over-sexualized these days that it's just normal to live together before you get married to sleep around, to put yourself out there. And I do think people who make a decision to go against the grain, it's frowned upon because it's not normal. To keep yourself pure as God encourages is not the done thing. And we had a moment in our Alpha course last year, which was really cool, uh, when Mickey Gumble was talking about sexuality and choices and purity. And he shared about how when you sleep around and when you actually sleep with someone else, that it's part of you being given to that person, you know, to become one. And he spoke about when you actually separate, it's part of your heart, part of your soul and your spirit is left damaged. And if you do that over and over again, it's just more and more damage for both parties. And he shared about that's not God's intention for us. He wants to give our heart to one person and to be whole and to not be broken and hurt in, I guess, lots of relationships because sexual stuff is quite an intimate thing. And it affects the spirit, like not, I don't think any other sin does. It says that in the Bible. But this lady in our Alpha course, who grown up, I think Catholic, and just always being told, don't sleep with anyone before you get married, and it was just being drilled into her. And she said, I just always 
known it as a rule and I just thought God just didn't want us to have too much fun. But then when it was explained to her like that, that God has set this guideline, this boundary because he wants to protect our hearts and he wants the best for us. It was such life to her and she's like, oh, I see why God says that. That makes so much sense and I want to endeavour to do that because I don't want my heart to be damaged. And you know what? When God gives us a guideline, it's not because he's a party pooper, it's because he wants the absolute best for us and and may that be our revelation in some of these things I'm talking about not compromising it's not don't do this it's God has a much better way for us than some of this compromise because it actually destroys us even though it may seem attractive and fun so that's on compromising in the area of morality and sexuality another example of compromise maybe I'll just go a bit fuzzy on the truth of God's word because I wouldn't want to offend someone If I water down my beliefs, it'll be more attractive to people searching. I'll focus on love, but hold back on the truth. And, you know, I've seen this time and time again uh, in Christian life. Yes, we need to love people, but it's the truth that sets them free. And, you know, Dad's message on lordship and my message on repentance a few weeks back, people might think, that's not seeker-friendly, that's a bit challenging or confronting. People might not understand that. But if we actually water down what we believe so nobody is challenged, we're just a lukewarm bunch of Christians with no backbone. Love will draw people to God, but without truth, there's no strength or foundation. So often love will draw people into the love of God and it's all warm and fuzzy. But as the going gets tough, they wander off because there's no truth and foundation to actually set them on a path of strength and maturity um, that will help them to flourish and stay the path. And we need to love everyone. Yes, absolutely. And everyone's welcome in this house. And I hope whether you've been here for a short time or a long time, that that's your experience, that you feel welcome and loved here. But we also need to be firm on our statement of belief. This is what God says and this is what we believe and we're uncompromising on that because we know the truth is the only thing that will set people free. And that may mean we feel challenged at times, but I'd much prefer to be challenged by the truth and to have a culture that values truth and open and honest communication for the sake of growth and freedom than a culture of compromise that places priority on keeping everyone happy and comfortable at the expense of the truth. And I was talking with Dean Naylor about this last night and he shared a quote with me from a lady called Claire Madden, who's a social researcher and youth pastor and she was talking um, at the Hillsong Youth and Dean was able to listen to it on a podcast or something. But she said this, if we tolerate everything, we stand for nothing. And I think that's powerful. I think churches and Christians these days try to be very tolerant of everything, but if we tolerate everything, we stand for nothing. We're firm on what we stand for, and because of our belief in the truth, it means we don't tolerate everything. So, in terms of equipping us to grow, can I encourage you to stay the path and to resist compromise? Don't give in to what's popular. Just as the people in Ezra held firm to their conviction and resisted making a deal with the enemy, even though it was a pretty sweet offer, who doesn't want more help in their lives? Um, Yeah, may we have the same courage and strength of conviction as they did, because who knows, the enemy often comes looking very helpful and... Like, oh, yeah, that'd be nice, or that's easy, or that looks attractive. So secondly, that was um, conviction, and and the next one is responsibility. As I said before, it's our responsibility to take care of the condition of our heart and our growth, to make good choices. I think blame can come into the equation all too easily. I think it's an age-old battle for humanity. Adam and Eve, she made me eat the apple. (sighs) Another example... (laughs) My girlfriend tempted me to sleep with her. She's always looking so attractive. I just can't resist. He was rude to me, so I'm offended. It's all his fault. 
They didn't do enough to take care of me, so now I'm battling isolation. People should be more caring towards me. The world is so cruel. No one is ever doing enough to love and include me. I don't get fed enough at church, so I'm not growing. It's not my fault I'm not growing. It's my pastors or my small group leaders. My friends pressuring me to get drunk. God understands. It was really intimidating. The way I was just talking church is the way kids talk. Mom, he punched me, so I punched him back. He made me do it. He kicked me, so I spat on him. It was all his fault. (laughs) It's how kids talk. Adults take responsibility for their own attitudes, thoughts, actions, behaviours. And I know Josh and I are working on that in our marriage. (laughs) We always like to blame each other if something goes wrong. We were making a cake for Zeke's birthday, and I always do the cakes and the party prep, and Josh was like, I'll make the cake. And I was like, sweet, that's so helpful. So he made the cake, and I don't know, there was lots going on. And then (laughs) next minute, I was about this burning, (laughs) and he hadn't put the pan together properly. So it was all leaking out the bottom of the pan all over the oven. I'm like, oh, this little idea to help hasn't worked out so helpful. (laughs) And then I went to get the cake, what was left of the cake, out of the pan, and it was all stuck. I'm like, Josh, what do you use to spray the pan with? He's like, uh, what do you use to like grease the pan? He's like, butter. I'm like, no, you've got to use spray or it doesn't work. And so here I am like, Josh, you did it all wrong. And he's like, well, you asked me to make the cake. You should have just made the cake. It's all your fault. You didn't tell me to. Anyway, and it's like, like okay, who cares? Whose fault it is? We've just got to rectify the cake. <laughs> Josh is like, I don't have to do the cakes anymore. Uh, but I know in our marriage, like we're adults, but it's tempting to place blame rather than just, okay, who cares how it's happened? Let's just work how we're going to get through this. Um, and as mature adults, um, we don't cast blame, ideally. We're growing in that. So, for example, yes, my girlfriend is attractive, but I can exercise self-control and show my love for her by protecting her purity. He was rude to me, but I'm going to shake it off and not allow offence to take root because I'm a fully grown adult who is responsible and in charge of my own thoughts and attitudes. I feel isolated, but I'm going to take responsibility for my own situation and invite someone over for lunch or sow some time and energy into relationships rather than looking at what everyone else should be doing for me and waiting for people to realise I'm feeling this way. My friends are all drinking and telling me to do the same. I'm going to leave this party and not go to others like it because I know I don't have the strength of conviction yet to resist. And I'm choosing to actually resist compromise and I know God will empower me to continue resisting because I know I'm called to so much more than this. And, you know, you can have your kicks with sin. Is sin not fun? And Sam Monk said this, if sin's not fun, you're doing it wrong. Sin is fun. It's attractive. It's, there's a reason that it's fun and attractive. It's fun and attractive until it destroys you. It will kick back hard, and it's not worth it. So I encourage you to actually stay the higher path, even though it may not be easier. And I think God has a way of elevating people who make the right choices, who make godly choices. And I love the story of Daniel in the Bible where he actually, um, the king said, you know, this is what we're doing and this is what we're eating and you can have royal food and do this. And Daniel said, no, actually, I feel God has called me to just eat fruit and vegetables and legumes and nuts and seeds for 21 days. And at the end of the 21 days, he was brighter and stronger and fresher than anyone else in the kingdom. And, you know, he was a man of integrity. And that was an example of how his choice to live a godly life actually shone bright to everyone around him and I think sometimes it can feel like when you're making godly decisions like everyone must just think I'm weird and why am I making these decisions and maybe you can think maybe there's almost going to be no vindication for your choices but I think God always actually shows people live in integrity in the end he shows that that's um I guess the godly way to go and people see it in the end even if it's years later they'll be like oh I can see that that was actually God working and I encourage you just to trust God will show um, himself through that 
a life of integrity shines pretty bright in the end. And I know that's Josh and I's story. My friends didn't understand why I didn't get into the party scene. Josh's friends didn't understand why he chose to leave the party scene. But I know they look at our lives now and they think, well, they're living with purpose and I actually want what they have. And maybe years ago they would have criticised us and thought our choices were bad and weird. But now they look at our choices that have shaped our life and they're probably like, oh, maybe we should have done something a little bit differently back there. And exactly, that's exactly how God works. Choices, little choices that have big ramifications, choices that will shape your life. So that was um, one example, returning to what it looks like to take responsibility rather than cast blame. I don't feel like I've grown much lately, so I'm going to dig into the Word of God and my prayer life so God can search my heart and my inner man can grow. And while I'm at it, I'm going to invite a leader to speak into my life because maybe if I'm not growing, there's something I'm actually missing and maybe there's an area that someone can point out to help me grow. So does that all make sense, church? That's what it looks like to take responsibility and to be a mature adult. May we actually know what that is. Take responsibility and ownership for our own lives, your thoughts, attitudes, behaviour and choices. And as I said also... The first point, may we also know what it is to resist compromise and stand firm on the conviction of our faith, even if the enemy's got some pretty sweet deals on offer, little choices that will shape our lives. So following on from these choices and, and taking responsibility, can I encourage us, and this is my third point, to be wise in who we choose to do life with? Sam Monk from the Equippers Church in Auckland, who we glean so much from, says this, Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Are we doing life with people who exercise wisdom? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. I just added this in before, so... Oh, thanks, Ryan. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And Jim Rohn, who's an entrepreneur in America, says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The people we choose to do life with, the friendships, those we allow to speak into our life, those we open up our hearts with, shape us, shape our destiny. And Josh and I have made our choices. We tried to make wise decisions in life and we're not always right. Sometimes the decisions that we thought were wise aren't wise. But we aim to continue to apply wisdom in our choices of who we journey and build our lives with, the right people who will help us stay the path. And I'm not talking about exclusivity in terms of there's only a few people who we'll talk to and be kind to. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone else. Um, No, we aim to have large worlds, and we have a lot of people in our lives, and we're very blessed by that. But in terms of who we share our life with, our heart with, whom we allow to speak into our lives, we take that very seriously, and probably we're very selective. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And I want to encourage you to think carefully about who you do life with and the relationships you are focusing on, where you're opening up your heart, where you're allowing people to speak into your life. Not everyone who comes into your life and offers to do life with you and help you build is a godsend. Be discerning. The enemy might have looked very attractive and helpful in Ezra, but it was the enemy and it would have actually undermined the work of God. And I think the people you choose to do life with will either build into the purpose of God on your life or they'll be part of the slow destruction of the purpose of, the God on your, of the purpose of God on your life. And we've seen it so many times, Josh and I, with people in our lives. And I know Josh has had to make some really hard decisions in this. There were some relationships and friends that were very dear to him and he'd grown up with and he loved doing life with him, but he felt very clearly from God, and Josh will share better on this than me, that those relationships were destructive and that he actually had 
to make a decision to draw a line to protect his heart because he wasn't strong enough to resist. And Josh has got his own testimony about that and God's work through that. But it's not always easy. And just a side note, I'm not talking about non-Christians being an unwise choice. Sometimes Christians can be the most toxic people. <laughs> I think Josh and I often find the um, unchurched in our lives some of the most refreshing people to be around. Um, toxic relationships come in many different forms. And I would say destructive Christian relationships are often a lot harder to identify. The enemy won't always look like the enemy. In, in Ezra, yes, the enemy was obvious. Like, okay, well, they're not the people of God, and that's obvious. But it's not always that obvious. And if you aren't sure, can I encourage you to ask a leader? They may be able to help you recognize a toxic relationship. And I can actually really vouch for our eldership, Nancy and Dean, in this. They're people of wisdom. And if you're not sure, come and ask us or them, and we will probably be able to tell you if a relationship is a wise choice or not. And a little side note, when the people of Israel said no to building with their enemy, as it said, the enemy was upset, so he went to actually frustrate the plans of the people of Israel and actually bribe officials to confuse them. So if you've made some decisions to actually resist compromise and, and um, yes, yeah, stand on the conviction of your faith, don't be surprised if there's a little backlash, if there's a little bit of undermining, because the enemy is probably not happy that you're actually standing firm on your conviction. Take it as an encouragement that you're doing something worthwhile. But press on, and in the end, you know, God will finish what he began, and he will empower you and grace you and, and thwart the plans of the enemy and reveal them for what they are. I think works of darkness always end up being exposed for what they are. Okay, so that was all under point three, Maybe choose wisely who we do life with. Everybody still with me? I'm actually almost done. There's not too much more to go. But I just wanted to touch on this under point three. Sometimes there's pain that's left in relationships when maybe toxic people do come into our lives, maybe. Or people we didn't realise were toxic and then we're friends with them and then we realise they are toxic and damage is already done to your heart and then you actually have to separate from that and... There's a lot of pain with that. And I just think if that is you today, you know probably exactly what I'm talking about. If there's been someone you've opened up your heart to and they've actually hurt you, I just feel God wants to bring healing to that. And you know, sometimes in that situation, we can actually harden our heart and it's easy to not want to trust people again because we've been hurt. But I just think God wants to bring healing and give you wisdom for the future and encourage you to trust him that he can actually help you make wise choices and bring the right people into your life to help you build. And then in addition to that, sometimes the people who we thought or we began who we thought we'd build with or we began building with don't always finish building with us and that's really hard you know the people of Israel they were building the temple and they'd said no to the enemy and that was like straightforward and then they're probably like yes yeah, sweet but we've got this group of people here and we're all strong and God is with us and we're a team and we've got this and then slowly this guy over here is like, oh, I'm getting a bit tired. I think I'm going to drop out. And this one over here says, well, what the enemy's saying, maybe we don't have what it takes. And, you know, people start to filter off. And that's even a different pain to allowing toxic people into your life that hurt you. That's a different pain because they were people who you relied on and trusted and who you were excited to build with. And I also think God wants to minister into that. Maybe there's some people who were in your life who are no longer and there's a grief for you that you've actually lost that. David in the Bible knew the pain of this and this is a scripture from 2 Samuel but it's talking about when David lost Saul and Jonathan he mourned over their deaths and, and the death of Saul God's anointed even though Saul wanted to kill David which is another story on on the man of honor David was uh, David mourned his loss because he was God's anointed but more connected to what I'm touching on here David grieved over the loss of Jonathan his armor bearer and best friend and this is what it says in 
2 Samuel verse chapter 1 verse 25 to 27 how the mighty have fallen in battle Jonathan lies slain on your heights I grieve for you Jonathan my brother you were very dear to me your love for me was wonderful more wonderful than that of women how the mighty have fallen the weapons of war have perished and I just think that's a, a beautiful but a sad image of just grief that Perhaps there was someone standing for you and fighting for you that is no longer, and it's left a breach. And I think God wants to minister into that grief and that pain also this morning. And actually, let's stand. I'm going to get us to stand because I'm almost there, and I'm just going to pray into that right now before I move on. I might get the girls up or the whole band up if you want to as well, please. So if that is you and you know what I'm talking about, maybe there's been some damage by a toxic relationship, maybe... Someone who was a brother to you is no longer in your life. Someone who you thought would stand with you, or maybe it's a family member or a friend, I don't know. I'm just going to pray into that right now so you can open up your hearts. God, I just thank you that there's such a blessing in doing life with others. But I just pray for anyone here that maybe has had some damage done by people that have come into their life. And maybe they've opened up their heart and, and then someone's abused that or taken advantage of that and actually caused pain and hurt. I just pray right now for healing. And sometimes there's no greater hurt when people who are actually meant to love and protect you actually do the damage. And maybe it's been from a parent or a friend or a fellow leader. I just thank you, God, that you do minister healing and restoration, renewing to hearts. And I pray that for those people, maybe there's a temptation to shut off their heart because of the pain, to not trust anyone again. But I thank you that as you bring healing, you're going to enable these ones to actually trust again, to love again, to open up their heart. And I thank you that you birth hope in hearts, that there can be the right people that come into our lives and build with us and for the joy and sweetness that will bring. We thank you so much for that, God. And for the loss of maybe there's been people who have actually built with you and, and they've stood alongside you and they've fought for you and then maybe they've just dropped off. Maybe they've become weary. Maybe they've just made different decisions. And for anyone here who's felt the pain of that, God, I just thank you that you minister healing. I thank you that you be their strength, comfort. You refresh weary hearts. You bring the right people alongside to strengthen and encourage along the journey, the right people to build with us, we pray. Thank you, God. So in summary, may we be firm on the conviction of our faith, resist compromise, know our responsibility and choose wisely who we do life with. And I really feel God is speaking to some of you on this. May you have ears to hear. Your future depends on it. I'm talking about the whole friendship thing, choosing wisely. You may actually need to say no to some things and some people, just as the Israelites did. And I actually could feel it as I was preparing. There's been people that have come into your life like the enemies of Israel did and said, can I help you? And you kind of knew maybe it wasn't the right thing, but you thought I'd give it a go. So you've said yes to the enemy and you've allowed them into your life. And there's some alliances and some agreements there that actually need to be cut off that are going to be destructive in your life. And I feel that this morning as we sing and we finish, God's going to speak to you about those. He's the only one who can really, I guess, speak and just make that clear to you so that you can um, protect your heart. And as God leads us in these things, I know we are going to grow in greater strength, maturity, which brings greater freedom. And the kingdom of heaven will continue to advance through us strongly. So thank you so much, church. May God continue to speak and thank you, team.